Brother Stewart, we love you. We appreciate your walk with God, your obedience to the Holy Ghost. And once again, I want you to take your liberty tonight. Amen. Preach to me. I want to hear from God. God bless you. Praise God. Lord, tonight, come on, lift your voice. Let God know you're glad to be in his house tonight. Oh, with all of your heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's bless his name. Jesus, we magnify you in this Amen, amen. What a privilege it is to be in the house of God tonight. And I trust you feel that way. Amen. I trust nobody had to drag you to church tonight. Amen. I trust none of you young people had to be threatened to get in the car and get to church tonight. Amen. I, I trust none of you middle-aged folks had to, had to get a scolding from your children. Are we going to church tonight? Well, if anybody in your house ever asks, are we going to church tonight, you know you got a problem. Amen. Praise God. Well, Sunday, Pastor Regan asked about... Uh, saying something about the mission and I didn't feel it at that time and we we are starting to feel some liberty in the service here and if you can make a commitment that we can be Christian enough to hear a little bit about the mission and not lose what where we're at right now in the service then we'll talk about the mission but if we're going to sit down and, and tune out we'll just go right ahead with the service you want to hear something about the mission tonight? God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> Amen. We uh, count it a privilege and an honor to labor beside your good pastor and the work there in Africa. And, um, you know, COVID caught a lot of people by surprise. Caught a lot of churches by surprise. But it didn't catch God by surprise. Amen. When we, when we arrived in Zimbabwe, uh, soon thereafter, God began dealing with me about, okay, what now? You know, we were there. We got that part of the, the prayer equation answered, but what now? And so... Uh, to, to cut through some of the logistics of the story, God moved on us to adjust a little bit the way we host the conferences and where we would be uh, located. And so we, very shortly after moving into and getting settled into Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, packed up and moved again to Johannesburg, South Africa. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but one of the things that your pastor's probably told you, anywhere you want to get in Africa, you're going to fly through Johannesburg. And where we were at, it was a, 
it was about a $500 per ticket per trip getting to and from Johannesburg to get to wherever else we wanted to go. And so for a lot of reasons that just made sense to God and, and after we got our minds wrapped around it, made sense to us, we moved there. Settled in in December, we had a, 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 good, a good move, a safe move, thanks be to God. We've, we've learned to, to pray for travel mercies just about every time we get into the car and want to go anywhere. Amen. I'll save you the, the, the sad stories of what all went on uh, in the first half of our, of our trip. But in January, God began to, to put together the idea of putting some technology in the hands of the different countries that we're working in. I think we are now at seven countries. We didn't know they were in Mozambique, but Pastor Goodwill has already begun teaching his men down in the country of the northern part of Mozambique. So seven different countries now that the A to Z mission is working in, and we give God all the glory for that. And so without really knowing what or why or how, we sent these technology packages to all the men. And with the intention of, all right, we're going to fly into a country, hold a new doctrinal conference for new pastors, and then follow that up with a leadership conference with the men that we have in that area. But the other countries would not have to go without some kind of teaching. They could tune in with the technology that we put into their hands using, of all things, Zoom. Now, mind you, this is January. And so we, we were praying and, and hoping that once February came around, we got to the conference. Now, many of these places, they may not have cell servers, they may not have electric, they may not have anything. So the idea that we're going to use this conference technology uh, was a little bit frightening, if I could just be honest with you. I, I have an a IT background, and it scared me. <laughs> And so we put that technology in their hands. Bishop Reagan and I and, and Pastor Blevins flew to Indola, Zambia and had our first conference that went flawlessly. None of the men dropped any of the, the, the power or data or anything. And God knew all of this was happening before then. Now, what we were doing prior to that was bringing as many men as we could get into Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, and I think the max we could bring in was about 25 at a time. And that's putting men on top of bunk beds, and they're just running everywhere. And the very first conference that we held in February, we were able to host over 100 pastors. And we thought, thank God. And we held another one in May. And you were here, and I was in Tulsa. And we had over 150. And we just held another. We had one in August, but we just held another one a couple of weeks ago. Again, you were here. I was in, in South Texas. And we were able to host over 250 pastors in one of our doctrinal training conferences. Amen. So God knows what he's doing. The work is still growing. We're still sending uh, information over to them, training as, as best we can get it to them and using what, what means we can. But these men are hungry. 
they're growing. They're, they're, I just got a, a, a message sent from southern Malawi a couple of days ago, Pastor Felix Gamma, and he said, we just baptized ten more new ones, and two of them got the baptism of the Holy Ghost whenever they came up out of the water. And so COVID is not going to stop revival. Government, corrupt governments cannot stop revival. Amen. Closed borders cannot stop revival. Amen. Amen. And so we've put together a, a, a presentation that I'd like to show you. And uh, if it goes bad and we can't watch it, we can all blame uh, Brother Santiago. It's completely his fault. I don't know how, but it is. No. <laughs> we, we think we've got everything worked out. So I want you to enjoy this with us. Welcome to sing along if you like.
Amen. Not sure what happened with our grand finale there, but sure you get the gist of it. And uh, what a what a great work God is doing on the other side of the world. Amen. And uh, as you probably know, most of most of everything we're working with is pastors and 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 bishops and the man I mentioned earlier Pastor Goodwill um, best I can ascertain from him he has 40 churches that report up through his ministry and so as we reach these men and they go back and teach their pastors and teach their churches the 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 effect of that reach is just staggering and so we are grateful that God is doing what he's doing we're just thankful to be there and be a part of what God is doing and I'm looking forward to getting back there I'm trusting God is going to allow us to make our way back in uh, the beginning part of of January and if that happens then uh, we'll we'll do our best to hit the ground running but uh Still getting good reports while we are here, but uh, as much as I am enjoying being back in the States, I am ready to go. Amen. And so we covet your prayers and uh, everything that this church does. We, we, uh, we know that, that uh, it's been a, a sacrifice from this church to support the work in Africa, both with the giving of your your pastor and, and his dear wife while they were traveling and also uh, your finances and those, those things and all the gifts and we appreciate it so very, very much. And I also want to say how much I appreciate my family and uh, the great help that they are over there and their willingness to, uh, to up and go on the other side of the world and forego a lot of things that that families get to uh, get to enjoy here uh, for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom. And so I love them and appreciate them very, very much. Amen. Now missionary service is over. And we're gonna have some church. Amen. I said we're gonna have some church. We're gonna have a move of God tonight. Amen. God has something on his mind for this service tonight. Amen. Why don't we stand, let's lift our hands and lift our voice and tap into the, the workings of the Holy Ghost tonight. Oh, come on, church. Let's let God be God in this place tonight. <clears throat> oh, in the name of Jesus, God, we need you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Again, I did not come to have a pretense of a service tonight. Amen. I did not come to have a form of godliness and deny the power. But we want to let the Holy Ghost move tonight. Amen. We need everybody to get anointed tonight. 
Amen. We need everybody tapped into the Holy Ghost tonight. Everybody being sensitive to the moving and the flowing of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ah, hallelujah. Joel, the third chapter. And uh, we're going to read a couple of verses there and then in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I want to say thank you, Pastor Riggin, for the invitation to come and for the hospitality and your kindness and long suffering. <laughs> Amen. Joel, the third chapter, will begin in verse number 13. Now, I'm sorry, we begin in verse number 10. Begin in verse number 10. Joel, the third chapter, verse number 10. It says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather ye yourselves together round about thither cause thy mighty ones to come down O Lord let the heathen be weakened or wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe amen Hebrews the 11th chapter Verse number 32. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the enemies or the armies of the aliens. Amen. Joel said, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Amen. We're going to put away some, some implements that uh, are u- utilitarian, and we're going to turn them into weapons. And as the writer of Hebrews began to reflect over those that we call the heroes of faith, he said uh, they, they had a few skirmishes. They got into a few fights. Amen. And they waxed valiant in fight. You know, God never intends for us to lose a fight. God never intends for us to lose a battle or a fight. Amen. Every time we face off with the enemy, every time we we have a spiritual war, God intends for us to win that. God gives to us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and we have everything we need to successfully live for God. Well, hello, spirit of unbelief. 
Amen. And so I'm going to preach to this church a little while tonight. And I'm asking you to ride with me tonight. I'm asking you to ride with me in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach on this thought tonight. Peace was never an option. Peace was never an option. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Stockholm Syndrome is a condition in which hostages develop a psychological alliance with their captors during captivity. And emotional bonds are formed between captors and captives during the time that they spend together. But these are generally considered irrational in the light of danger that that captive is faced during the time he is with that captor. And this term was first used by the media in 1973 when four hostages were taken during a bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. And the hostages afterwards defended their captors once they were released and would not agree to testify in court against them. They would not even testify. However, the police began to to coax and, and, and try to provide alternate reasoning. They were unwilling to see their, their captors persecuted. Stockholm Syndrome, they say, is a paradoxical because of the symptomatic sentiments that the captives feel towards their captors are the opposite of the fear and the disdain which onlookers might feel towards that. We see somebody taken captive and we, we develop a, 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 an anger towards the person who took that individual captive, but someone feeling this effect would feel just the opposite of the way we might feel. And so they say there are four key components that characterize Stockholm Syndrome. Number one is that a hostage's development of positive feelings towards the captor. Again, it's just, it's not that bad. I could have gotten kidnapped or taken hostage by somebody worse, I guess. <laughs> and no previous relationship between the hostage and the captor. And a refusal by the hostages to cooperate with police forces and other government authorities. Or a hostage's belief in the humanity of the captor because they cease to perceive the captor as a threat when the victim holds the same values as the aggressor. Creating an alliance, creating an affinity towards somebody who has you bound, who has taken you captive. Getting comfortable, if I could say it that way was something that you should be very uncomfortable with. Amen. Jesus said this in Matthew the 10th chapter, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And so the moment that the enemy made his way into the garden, peace a peaceful coexistence was not an option. The moment that 
Jesus was born in that manger. Peace was not an option. Jesus said, I'm not here to, to, to become a, a friend of the devil. I'm not here to create any kind of alliance. I'm not here to negotiate. He said, I am come to bring a sword. I'm come to fight. Amen. Matthew, the 11th chapter, again, Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Amen. This is a warfare that we're involved in here. Amen. Again, when Jesus stepped on the scene, battle lines were drawn. Amen. This church has the attention of the spirit realm in this area. Easter Sunday of 1982, a man by the name of Reverend Jim Sample held a service, stepped on the soil of Olathe, Kansas, and announced, peace is not an option announced there's going to be an apostolic church right here. And all hell stood up and took notice of what just transpired. And from the days of 1982 until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. From that very service, peaceful existence has not been an option. Just because there is opposition against what we are trying to accomplish here in Olathe, Kansas, does not mean that we're going to sit around and suck our thumbs because things get a little tough from time to time. Amen. God knew there would be a spiritual stronghold in this area. Oh, help us. We have no right to sit back and say, well, it's hard here. There just can't be revival in this area. I defy that spirit. There can't be revival in this area. God would not have put a church here if he did not expect that will be revival in this area. Greater is he that is in you that is in this church than the strong man that's in this city. It is the will of God to have a thriving apostolic church in Olathe, Kansas. I said it's the will of God. Not tucked back off in the corner, not back here forgotten about, but a city set upon a hill. I'm telling you, this church is a glaring light in the eyes of the enemy in this city. Amen. Amen. This church has not reached its full potential. This church has not seen its best days. Come on, church. Amen. Don't make me. 
Don't make me drag this, this spirit of unbelief out of here by myself tonight. Amen. I said this church has not reached its full potential. Amen. I know that, that God has put a vision and a burden in the heart of this man of God, and it has not been seen yet. Amen. I look in the foyer out here, and there's a drawing there for a, for a new building that I believe phase one seats 500. Phase two, was it 1,500? Why not? Why not? I said, why not? But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to see that building built, if we're going to see 500 people in that building, we need to get an understanding that some little old Cherry Street Mulberry Lane type of church experience is not an option. It never has been an option for this church. Opposition should not surprise us. Why are we so surprised? Because the enemy begins to fight. Why are we so surprised? Because it's difficult to get a guest here. Why are we so surprised when we come to a church service and it feels a little bound up? Better yet, why do we sit back and take it? Why are we comfortable with bound up services? Why are we comfortable without backsliders and sinners being in the house tonight? It's time to stop begging and start fighting. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous have a need to beg for anything, much less the things that God has already promised his people. We don't beg God for anything. Begging God is not a sign of humility. It's a sign of unbelief. I'm weary. I'm weary with hearing prayers of begging God for something. That doesn't glorify God. Oh, he said you have not because you ask not. We ask in faith. I don't go groveling and begging God for revival. There's a huge difference between fighting for something and begging for it. Amen. I've been here. In this room, one service now. So I'm not drawing from experience. I'm just going to tell you what I'm feeling like. Okay? The altars are bound. 
they're bound. And we are way too comfortable with that. Amen. We come around after the service, and if it doesn't just start jumping and moving, we check it off as, oh, well, it'll happen next time. That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. That's somebody who's unwilling to engage in a fight is what that is. Amen. If you know that it's, it's bound up to he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, that's a sin. I don't mean to be too cruel or too hard tonight, but our altar services should never be bound up. An apostolic altar should be the most liberating thing in the world today. There's a reason the devil fights an altar service so much because he knows what can happen down there. We need to quit accepting that as normal around here. Quit rationalizing it. Quit excusing it. Well, that's just so-and-so preaching tonight. That's why we didn't have a, a breakthrough tonight. No. No, it's not. If, we, if our altar services are bound, it's because we allowed, we allowed it. And we don't have to allow it. We shouldn't allow it. Amen. We need to start fighting back. When we feel that, I'm telling you, there's too many things we are accepting from the enemy in our services. Well, I'm just tired tonight. Well, I had a long day at work. No, no, it's spiritual opposition because once we step over into the realm of the spirit, we begin to feel rejuvenated and revitalized. Amen. So when we feel that bound up service, we need to step out of our comfort zone and say, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. This is the enemy coming back into the camp. We ran him off last service, but it looks like he's going to need ran off again this service. Come on, peace is not an option. A bound up altar and service should not be an option in true church. When we start defending the altar, you know what we do? We create a clear path. Oh, help me, Jesus. For a backslider to start making their way to the church. Amen. When they don't have to step over a bunch of stuff and nonsense and fight their own way back to an altar of repentance. But when the church says, not on my watch, we're going to have liberty. There's going to be a clear path from the back door to the altar for a backslider to come and find restoration. When we war in the spirit, we create that unobstructed path to an altar. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you know what? I'm not judging anybody tonight, but I'm just going to tell you, when somebody tells me they were going to come to church and something happened, you know what? I take that personally. God, I didn't pray a hedge around them today. God, I didn't create a clear path for them to make it from the job site to the altar tonight. Oh, 
I should have spent a little more time waging war in the spirit. Revival is spiritual warfare. And too many churches view revival as some kind of heavenly welfare program. Well, it's not our time. I'll just sit down and wait for my handout from heaven. Says who? Who says we got to wait? Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Right now. You want to know when the time of revival is? Right now. This is the day of salvation. Today, right now, is when God would fill as many people as we would have gotten here tonight. God would have filled every one of them with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, there's that spirit again. There's that spirit of unbelief again. Well, well, he's just getting a little excited. No, I'm telling you what God can do if we'll take the restrictions off of him. I'm telling you when we become laborers with him and we begin to tear down some strongholds, then they begin to come when God knows he can trust us as a church to pray down some strongholds for guests to come. Then he's going to begin to draw them. Why would he, why would he bother drawing them if we're not going to spend the time fighting every devil in Olathe off of them to get them here? Amen. We don't just sit around and hide hoping the devil don't come after us waiting for revival to come. Fight. The good fight of faith. We get on the battlefield. You know, uh, I was in school my senior year and had a little friend. And uh, he was a goofy little nerd. And we were sitting in class one day and one of the bullies started picking at him. And I thought about saying something. I thought, you know. Let's just see what happens. And he sat there and he took it and he took it and he took it. And bless your heart, if I didn't turn and look about the time little John McPherson got his belly full and picked up his desk and chair and tried to take that bully's head off with. I wish the spirit of little John McPherson 
would get on some people here tonight and get real fed up with the devil pushing around Truth Church. I, I wish somebody would say, hey, not on my watch. This isn't going to happen. Hey, devil, I'm tired of you picking on me. I'm tired of you picking on my family. I'm tired of just sitting back watching and waiting for you to bring it to me. I think today I'm just going to bring it to you. I, I think I think my, my, my pastor needs a little help in early morning prayer, and I can roll out of bed to get there. Hey, 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 why don't we get on the battlefield? Amen, we, we suit it up. We call ourselves apostolic. We're wearing the name. Why don't we step out on the battlefield? When David arrived on the battlefield, he had to go looking for warriors. That's what I'm looking for tonight. I'm looking for Truth Church warriors. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you, I think, I think some of you, I think some of you have taken a whooping and you're a little intimidated to get out on the battlefield. You want me to help you? Amen. It's time for the strong men of this city to quit intimidating this church. It's time for us to quit believing the lies and accepting them as the way it's just going to be. Amen. It's time to stop kidding ourselves and believing that peace is an option. Is the last time that we said, you know what? Maybe one fast day isn't going to get it. Maybe 10 minutes of now I lay me down to sleep isn't going to get it. Well, I can either be your best friend tonight or I can, I can just be your aggravator tonight. Hey, hey, hey. I'm talking about getting on the battlefield. I'm talking about are you really fed up? With the way things are going right now. You can amen me tonight and, and go right back to normal tomorrow. But peace and a peaceful coexistence with the strong man of Olathe, Kansas. It's not an option. If you believe that if you leave him alone, he's going to leave you alone, you are deceived. If you really believe, well, the more I pray and the more I fast, the worse things get, so I'm just not going to do any of that. David had to go looking for, for anybody that was even remotely interested but I'm telling you, the scripture said one will put a thousand to flight. And two will put 10,000 to flight. If I, can just, if I could just stir up a handful of people in the house tonight. Amen. If I could just get one person full of the Holy Ghost tonight.
that says, you know what? We've been talking about revival. We've been thinking about revival. We've been singing about revival. I'm ready to have revival. And that revival is going to start when somebody stands up in the Holy Ghost and begins to tell a giant, I'm sick of listening to you. When somebody says, hey, you want to fight, big boy? I got what you need. Oh, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. We ain't there yet, but we're getting somewhere tonight. We're getting somewhere tonight. Amen. Paul told the church at Corinth, our weapons are not carnal. This is, I'm not talking about a program. I'm not saying Pastor Riggin needs to create some new Sunday school drive or, a, or a this or a that for us to have revival. I'm talking about the truth church, deciding we're going to be the truth church and we're going to get on the battlefield, every one of us, and begin to fight in the spirit, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. David said, I'll fight you. Everybody else around looking at him. What's he going to do? What's she going to do? Oh, that's just old brother Hilton getting excited again. Bless his heart. No. Because that little ruddy boy, David, he connected in the spirit. And took down a giant. And then all of a sudden, here comes everybody else. That's just little Jaheem showing up to pray late at night. What's he going to do? He just might start a revival. That's just Jerome. Just taking another Bible school class. What's he going to do? Well, he might just teach a Bible study to the next group. That's going to be the key to the revival to this church. I don't know who it's going to be that's going to start it. But what I do know is once David got him down, here come everybody else. I want some to get me in on that. I've been wanting revival for a long time. Then get up and do something about it. There is no shortcut to revival. There is no way around fighting in the spirit to have revival. Quit looking for the pastor to pull out some magic trick of revival. It's going to happen when the church decides to stand up against the strong man of this city and bind him. David took him down. Everybody else got up and started fighting. And then David began training others to become giant killers. I wonder if we go into Starbucks and get our favorite high dollar drink, if we could look at that barista 
as the potential to the next giant killer sitting on the pew right beside you. I wonder if there's anybody at the grocery store that we could, we could start praying over. God, I'm going back to that same line, that same person every time because I believe you got your hand on that person. I, I got a spot marked on my pew for that person. Amen. And began to pray a hedge about them. Began to pray that ministering angels would go to their home and begin to talk to them. I'm talking about warring in the spirit. I'm talking about a, a spiritual warfare that God's calling this church into. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I didn't come to bring a new revival program. All I came to tell you is if you get out on the battlefield, maybe, just maybe, God will begin to fight with us. God put this church here to bring down that stronghold, not to tolerate it, not to negotiate with it, not to get accustomed and acclimated to it. Is anybody else in this room sick of feeling that? Is anybody else in this room sick of feeling that resistance every time we come to church and have a little move and then it's pushed right back in your corner? Have a little move and then I'll let them get excited, but I'm not going to let them. Hey, true church, it's time to fight in the spirit. It's time to quit praying little patty cake prayers and get down to business with pulling down the stronghold in this city. Your pastor can't do it by himself. It's got to be everybody or nobody. Oh, help me, Jesus. Paul said, I'll fight not as one that beateth the air. You know what? just going to say it. I love this church. I love this church. I respect this church. But what I feel is there are too many here that you're not experienced enough at fighting in the spirit. And that's why it feels so clumsy. That's why you feel like you don't know what you're doing because you hadn't done it enough. You know how you learn how to fight? You get punched in the nose a few times. In the words of the great Mike Tyson, he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's not a plan. It's not a program. It's you stepping up in front of the devil and y'all just duking it out in a prayer meeting or two. It's you figuring out what really starts moving heaven and use it. You know what fasting is? It's fighting dirty. You know what a good red hot prayer meeting is? It's a sucker punch. Hey, I'm not here to play games with the devil. Whatever advantage I can get, whatever we can do to get this thing moving, I'm ready to do it. Hey, 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 I'm not going to play games with a service. When it's time for pre-service prayer, bless your heart. I'm ready to tear down some strongholds. 
I'm ready to feel that liberty like we've never felt before. Not as one that just beats there. I'm not out here just swinging. Amen. You know what else this church needs? It's some boldness. Some boldness. You know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of a bunch of fishermen. But a bunch of fishermen under the influence of the Holy Ghost turned a geographical region upside down. And when people started looking at what was going on, they marveled. They said, these are what they said, ignorant and unlearned people. That's me. Just ignorant enough to believe God would send revival to a place where everybody else says it can't happen there. Just unlearned enough to say, all I know how to do is fast and pray and witness. I wonder what kind of sucker punch it would bring if we went down to the 54th Street Diner. And instead of complaining about cold chicken nuggets, we start, we start talking to the waitress. How's your day going? How's your family doing? Everything going? What did I just do? Pow, sucker punch that, that devil. Hey, I just wonder what would happen if this church started surprising the, the strong men of this city. I just wonder what would happen if we got out of our little routine and said, hey, I'm through fighting. I'm through fighting fair. I'm through just letting him do whatever he wants to do. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to have, I'm ready just to have a good old-fashioned throwdown. I'm ready to get ate up with boldness until I'm telling everybody, come to my church. It's the best church in Olathe, Kansas. Hey, if you're in this building or listening online, you better feel like this is the best church in Olathe, Kansas. Peace was never an option. From the, from the very first service. Was anybody here for that service? I don't think he came. And just said, well, we'll give it a shot. Well, pastors want to have a revival. I don't know. This is kind of a bad time of year. It's going to start snowing in Kansas before long. Good. That's a good time to do some Bible reading. Am I, am I helping somebody connect with the mind of God tonight? Am I helping somebody see what the battlefield could look like if we get out there with some boldness and say, hey, I'm through getting pushed around. I'm through being intimidated by what's going on. Sister, you got nothing to be intimidated about playing that organ. 
You need to step up there with boldness and with confidence and play as unto the Lord and let God anoint you and don't hang your head for anything that's going on up there. Every musician and every singer, just get up there and play as unto God and let that boldness come upon you and let God anoint you. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Mr. Song Leader, you get up here and you get full of the anointing and you just ran back and sing. I don't care how cute it is. I don't care if you mess up and miss notes. All that matters is we come up here and we're anointed of God and we worship God with all of our heart. Come on. Come on, let's quit letting that just die out so quick. Let's quit letting that, that spontaneity die out so quick. Let's just keep flowing in the Holy Ghost right now. Talking about boldness. Should I tell him or should I not? Yes, you should. The devil's not going to tell you to witness to him. If you're feeling that little nudge, reach out to him. One put a thousand to flight. Telling you, musicians and singers, you could bind together and lead this church into the place that God wants the service to be. Quit worrying. Is it right? Quit. I'm, I'm not saying get up here and just make a mess of everything. You still need to do your best. But what I am saying is we can worry way too much about it being pretty and perfect. And we need unity. We need anointing. Amen. What would happen if this church got in one mind and one accord? What would happen? What would happen? I said, what would happen if everybody this week decided, you know what? I can bring somebody to church Sunday. I can get them here. I know that I can. And right now, we begin praying for them, calling their name out. God, I want you to bring so-and-so. God, I want you to set their mind to the church. God, I want you to, to block any hindrance that would keep them from coming to the service tonight. You know, new converts come in full of zeal full of hunger and, and, and all they know is they had to fight their way out of what they just came out of and so they know how to fight but if we're not careful we can sit back hello and let the, let the youth and the new converts do all of our fighting for us in the services We can outsource our responsibilities of spiritual warfare. Well, I'm over 40 now. Okay. I don't remember a time when something didn't hurt. 
but that's no excuse. We need to check our excuse making and quit letting the new converts and the young people carry a service for us. I just lost about 80% of you right there. I'm talking about unity. I'm talking about get up and let those knees crack. I'm talking about what if I'm the only one running the aisles? Bless your heart, I'll be the only one running the aisles. What if I'm the only one up here dancing in the spirit? What if you just lead the way and let somebody else come right in behind you? Amen. What if you quit sitting back watching somebody else worship and you get up and do some worshiping too? That's how we get in in one mind, in one accord, is we quit spectating a service and get involved in what's going on. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not trying to be mean, but I am going to follow the Holy Ghost tonight. You know what's going on. Some of you middle-aged and married folks, you're fighting distracted battles. You're not involved in the fight that means something, and the devil has come around the backside and brought something to you. And you're distracted with that fight. And that has nothing to do with what's going on around the church. You know what? You'd, 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 you'd be amazed if you'd cast that care on God. And just go focusing on revival and spiritual warfare and praying and fasting. And say, God, I can't do anything about that. You, you take care of that. I'm going to worry about your business and you can take care of mine. I'm telling somebody that's where you're at right now. You're distracted by the wrong battle. You got your hands full of the wrong thing. God's saying it's revival time. It's so winning time. It's time to learn how to fight in the spirit and quit getting distracted with battles of the flesh. Amen. Some of some of us that are in that elderly crowd, I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm working on it. Brother, how long have you been living for God? Thirty years. You seen a fight or two? They work. They work. But you know what? Some of those in the older crowd here, you just don't know the heaviness that would be lifted off of you if you'd make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to get in the fight. I may not be able to do what I used to do, but that doesn't excuse me from doing anything. Amen. There would be a heaviness lifted off of some of you who are in that older crowd if you would just make up your mind, God. I'm going to get out there and fight. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to give it all I've got. Come on now. Come on. We're going to weigh the consequences of this tonight before we leave. 
We're going to make some decisions tonight before we leave. Is this worth fighting for or not? Am I going to go back to negotiating with my, with my captor? God has a revival. There is a great and effectual door. But you're the one responsible for the adversaries. There are strongholds in Olathe, but they can be dealt with. If you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you could be the one that tear down that stronghold. You got the Holy Ghost, young man? How about you? You? I wonder if these little children just begin to call on the name of the Lord. I feel something beginning to break right now in the Holy Ghost. You young people don't be intimidated. You don't allow a service to be bound up. Y'all like good church, don't you? You like that liberty. Don't settle for anything less than that liberty. Amen. If we're not having it in our services, it's time to touch God. It's time to reach out in the spirit and rebuke that enemy. Amen. And begin to call on the name of Jesus. Begin to get anointed. I said the other night, it's important for a church to be anointed during a service. And that's because when we feel, when we feel that devil binding that service up, we can touch God and that anointing can flow through even a young child and begin to destroy the yoke that's trying to be set up on Truth, church. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. I'm praying that I get through to somebody tonight. I'm praying that you have an accepted defeat. I'm praying that you stop begging for revival. I'm praying you stop begging God. For, for liberty and services. And start fighting. Start fighting. Start fighting. Jesus sent out his disciples. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap this up. Um, see where this church takes it. Jesus sent out his disciples. And they came back rejoicing. Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. This church 
has put some devils in their place in years gone by. But those same disciples came to a man that had a devil-possessed son. And they couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus rebuked that devil and cast it out. And the disciples said, why couldn't we do it? They'd been casting out devils. They'd been seeing miracles. And Jesus said, because this kind goeth forth not but by prayer and fasting. Truth Church, the anointing from past battles is not sufficient for what we're facing right now. Yeah, we used to have great moves of God. Yeah, we used to see miracles and signs and wonders, and you may be doing that right now, and I may be missing this We need a fresh anointing. And it's only going to happen when this church decides I'm through sitting on the bench. I'm through watching the leadership and a few here and there from time to time get out there and fight it through and slug it through. I want this church to bind together. I'm telling you. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed if you'll step past where we are right now and get in the spirit and make up your mind. I'm going to wage war in the spirit. I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to begin to fast like I've never done before. You'll be amazed at how quickly God begins to turn this thing around. Amen. I'm not, in, I'm not in the game of prophesying and just blabbing nonsense, but I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, if this church will get under the burden and start fighting in the Spirit, you're going to see some things that you have never seen in this city. Amen. There's a stronghold that you've been bumping up against for a long time. And if this church will unify together and begin to pray and begin to fast and exercise some boldness in every single service that you come to, there's some strongholds that God is wanting to bring down in this city and is wanting you to do it. And your response, your response tonight is going to let God know I'm signing on or I'm going back to negotiate with my captor. Anybody tired of negotiating? Anybody tired of coming to a service and feel like it's bargaining time again? Anybody tired of playing instruments and singing songs and feeling like your mouth is full of cotton balls? Anybody tired of trying to raise your hands during a worship service that it ought to be just jumping and you can't hardly get a praise out of your mouth? I'm saying, is anybody tired of that? Well, we got one. We got two. We got a... 
We got a couple here and there. Hey, I'm not trying to hype you up tonight. I'm just telling you what God wants to do in this city, and he wants to do it through this church. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quit standing around in the altar services and gawking out the preacher wondering what he's going to do and just get tapped into the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody reach out and begin to talk back to that strong man. Listen here, devil. You've bound up the last service around the truth church. You're going to bind up. Listen here, devil. This is the last service. We're not going to have a visitor or a backslider come in. Well, I'm feeling some liberty tonight. I'm feeling something breaking already. I'm telling you, it ain't going to take God very long to do what it is he wants to do. If we'll get serious about having revival, if we'll get the sword back in our hand, if we'll lift up that shield of faith. Oh, I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Come on, let's bind together. Hallelujah. I plead the blood over Sunday service. I plead the blood over my neighbor. I plead the blood over my coworker. Come on. Quit letting it law. Quit letting it law. Quit letting it push you back in the corner. Come on, we're not playing games. We're not playing games. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna wage some war. Right now, praying in the Holy Ghost. Right now, binding together. Right now, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself. Oh, that a spirit of travail would fall upon this church. Oh, that we would break through this place right now that we're at. Come on, church, you've been right here before. We need to go a little farther tonight. We need to press beyond this comfort zone right now, this familiar negotiated grounds that we're at right now. And we need to fight in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, it's breaking. Come on, there's some strongholds coming down right now, but you got to press. You got to fight. You got to believe God. You got to exercise some spiritual authority.